Amen. You may be seated. We are going to jump right into the message this morning. And the title of this morning's message is, Are You Under the Fig Tree? Are you under the fig tree? We're going to be in the book of John, chapter 1. We're going to begin with verse number 35. So if you've got your copy of God's Word with you, I trust that you're already finding the book of John, chapter 1. If not, it'll be on the screen, and you can read uh, from the screen there. But at any rate, if you're physically able this morning to stand, I want you to stand with me once again as we honor God's Word by His reading. Verse 35, the next day, John, again, John was standing with two of his disciples and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come, and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethesda, and I have struggled with that word, and I will struggle with it from now on, so just get used to it. I cannot say that word most of the time. But anyway, you see it on the screen. You know where we're talking about. The city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly. I say unto you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. You may be seated. Now, as we begin this morning, I want to tell you about one thing that um, one of my seminary professors told me. It was one of my preaching professors, and he said, every time that you preach, you should always preach as if every person in the audience is lost. As if every person in the audience is lost. And it took me a while to comprehend the magnitude of what he was saying. But you know, I've about come to the point where I believe him. Because I've known many of you for years, but guess what? I really don't know what your relationship with Jesus is. Even though many of you have told me 
what your relationship with Jesus is. Only you know if it's true and genuine. Only you know that. And so this morning, I sort of feel like just by the title of this morning's message, are you under the fig tree? Possibly some of you have let your guard down just a little bit because I bet if I were to take a poll right now, there'd be at least half of the people in here would say it is impossible for a fig tree to grow in this climate. I've had many of those conversations with people. But guess what? It's not. We've got one in their front yard. We've had it probably for 10 years. At the end of each uh, fall, we have to cut it back almost completely to the ground. But guess what? Here in just a few weeks, it's going to start growing if the Lord allows it to again. And it's going by the end of summer. It's going to look very similar to that first image that I placed on the screen a few minutes ago of that huge fig tree. And it's going to be filled with delicious figs. So it is certainly possible to hide under a fig tree in this area of the country. Now, as our text begins today, we see that the next day John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by. I wonder, have you had a true encounter with Jesus Christ? Because I'm telling you, if you have this morning, your life will never ever be the same. People will not have to wonder whether or not you've got Jesus in your life. Can we just come to the point this morning, if somebody has to wonder about you, if they have to wonder if you're a Christian, we've got a problem, folks. We have got a problem. And we see here, John says, behold, the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God. Now, this is twice in just a few short verses that he has made a similar proclamation. Back in verse 29, he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I wonder this morning, do you realize that there is one and only one person that can take away the sin of the world? His name is Jesus Christ. And I wonder, do you know Him today? Do you know Him today? Again, only you know. Only you can answer that question. Then verse 37, we see the two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. And I think one of the key words in this particular verse is right there. They heard him say. How many times have you found yourself in a conversation, as a participant in a conversation, and you have no idea what the conversation's about? Happens all the time. How many people's got one of these? I'm sure more than that. It's it's okay. I'm holding up one too. I'm holding up one too. But guess what happens? We have lost the ability to listen. We have lost the ability to hear. At any given time, we've got 25 things floating around in our mind. If somebody's trying to talk to us, we are responding to a text. We're checking Facebook. We're checking Twitter. We are checking the Internet. And then we wonder why we can't communicate. We wonder why marriages are falling apart. We wonder why children are growing up in households and don't believe their families love them. We wonder why so many people's life is a mess. 
Can we put down our phones long enough to have a conversation with people? Can we? Will we? Will we really is the most correct question. Now back to our text. These two disciples, they heard John say, Behold the Lamb of God. And they followed Jesus. I wonder this morning, have you ever truly counted the cost of following Jesus? And some of you might be thinking right now, but Todd, I thought it was free. I didn't think it cost anything to follow Jesus. Well, I want to tell you this morning, His love, mercy, and grace, they all are free. They are completely free. Jesus paid the price for that when He died for you and me on that old rugged cross. But don't be deceived in thinking there's not a cost in following Jesus. There is definitely a cost in following Jesus. When you repent, when you truly repent and you turn from a life of sin. You see, that's, that's one of the things that repentance signifies. It's a repenting and turning. It's not staying in an intentional life of sin. And it may cost you some friends. Some friends. Because they're probably going to say, just come on. Come on, go with me to this party. It won't hurt anything. What could it possibly hurt? Go ahead. Have that affair. Who would ever know? Let me tell you something. Jesus Christ will know. You cannot hide from Him. Do you realize that there is a cost in following Jesus? But it is so worth it. It is so worth it. Will you follow Him this morning? And then we see that Jesus turned and saw them. Now, I want to point out to you, Jesus knew where they were before He ever turned. He turned for their benefit, not His. He knew they were behind Him. But then He sort of poses to them an unusual question, at least initially. What are you seeking? What are you seeking? Now, doesn't it seem like it might make more sense if He had said, Who are you seeking? But keep in mind, Jesus doesn't make mistakes. He knew what He was asking. You see, there are so many people, they choose to follow Jesus only because they believe He is the last alternative. Instead of running to Him completely at the beginning when we have a problem, many times He's the last person we take our problems to. After we have no money, after our marriages have fell apart, after our children have left us, then... We go to Jesus seeking what? Peace. That's a what? That's a what are you seeking? Contentment. That's a what are you seeking? Joy. That's a what are you seeking? See, Jesus was right on the money when He said, What are you seeking? And guess what? These men had left. They are in the process of leaving their lives as they know it and following this man named Jesus Christ. Is it that out of the question to want to know where they're going to be staying? Where Jesus is staying? Is it that out of the question to want to know where they are going? And so then we see Him answer them. 
He said to them, Come, and you will see. Come, and you will see. He's telling you that exact same thing this morning. Come, and you will see. So they came and saw where He was staying. And they stayed with Him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. Now I want you to know, the tenth hour... It's the equivalent of about our 4 p.m. in the afternoon. So this sounds exciting, doesn't it? They are going to spend an evening with Jesus Christ. Can you imagine an evening with Jesus? It almost sounds like some type of event we go to, doesn't it? A concert that we might go to. An evening with Jesus. But folks, I want to ask you something this morning. Why would you want to settle for an evening with Jesus? When you can have a lifetime with Him, why settle for an evening? Have you had a true encounter with Jesus? Have you truly had a true encounter with Jesus? And then we see one of the two men who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And then I think we see something beautiful happen here. He knows that he's met Jesus. And what's he do? He goes and gets his brother. He wants to tell somebody about his encounter with Jesus. He wants to bring his brother to Jesus. I wonder, who are we bringing to Jesus? When's the last time that you've truly brought somebody to Jesus Christ? When's the last time that you have truly prayed for somebody that you feel is lost? When is the last time that you have been so broken over them because they are not saved and they're on their way to hell? When? When is the last time that we have truly been broken like that? Has it been a long time? Has it been a long time? I wonder what happens to you when you're in the presence of Jesus. Personally, what happens to you when you're in the presence of Jesus? You know, a few years ago, probably 20-something years ago, I heard this song. And the name of it was, Would I Know You Now? And it has stuck with me for 20-something years. Because the overwhelming message in that song was, if Jesus were to walk in this sanctuary right now, physically walk in, and we were able to see the holes in His wrist and His feet, if we were able to touch His brow that was torn apart by those thorns, would we know it was Him? Or are we too busy? Would it be an inconvenience if Jesus were to walk in here today? Would it throw our schedules off? Are we so preoccupied with our own schedules that Jesus showing up and walking in this building would be an inconvenience? Would it be? Only you can answer that question. Would we know that we are in the presence of the great I Am? Or would it be as if just another person had walked in the room? Now, back to our text to where we are now. Keep in mind, Jesus had not gone to the cross yet. 
He hadn't gone to the cross. Still, this man recognizes who Jesus is. He has had an encounter with him. And so he brings his brother to Jesus. Now, when you look at this, verse 42, does it strike you odd that he doesn't bring him up and say, Jesus, I'd like to introduce you to my brother. That's not at all what happens. Jesus knows him. He needs no introduction. He tells him, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. And it also means rock. But it's interesting here when you think about Peter's life to this point. I doubt anybody other than Jesus would have described this man as a rock. But what do we know that happens to Peter from this point forward? He participates in Pentecost, doesn't he? He becomes a rock. He becomes a rock. Jesus knows it. Do you ever stop to wonder what would have happened if Andrew had not brought Peter to Jesus? Do you ever stop to wonder that? Would we be talking about Peter this morning if Andrew had not brought Peter to Jesus? I wonder, I want to ask you a question this morning. How will history be different due to the fact of you bringing people to Jesus? How will history look as a result of you personally bringing people to Jesus? Maybe the better question, the more difficult question, how will history look different due to our disobedience in not bringing people to Jesus? How will it look? Who are you telling about Him? So now we see that we're in the next day and Jesus has decided to go to Galilee. Now up until this point, Jesus has been hanging out around Judea. So He finds Philip. Again, Philip, Jesus, there was never a time where Jesus did not know where Philip was, but He finds Philip here and He says to him, Follow me. Follow me. And then we see where Philip is from. And I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce that word again because I can guarantee you I am not going to get it right. But so what would be the significance of telling where Philip is from? Because this, this place where he's from, it's a fishing village. It's not a place for the social elite. It's not. It's documented here, in my opinion, to know that anybody can come to Jesus. The invitation is to everybody. Jesus is saying, follow me. It doesn't matter who your parents are. It doesn't matter how much money your parents had. It doesn't matter how much or how little money that you have. His invitation is to us, just like it was to Philip. Follow me. Follow me. And then we see... Uh, something happened here that is beautiful again. We're going to start going into more of what reality is at this point. If you remember, everybody we've seen introduced to Jesus at this point wasn't a struggle, was it? It's like, I tell you about Jesus, you say, oh yeah, I want Him, and you come. There's no resistance. But is that what we typically experience? It's not, is it? we are going to meet another person that maybe might be more representative of many of the people.
that we minister to today. So Philip finds Nathanael. And he says to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now, Philip's excited. He is sharing. He again, he knows he's got a call to go and to tell. And he does it. But look at what Nathaniel says. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? So what will Philip do? Is he going to be mad? Is he going to say, well, they have been wanting me to witness to somebody. I have finally done it, and look what's happened. I will never do this again. Is that the way he's going to approach it? Is he going to take his ball? Is he going to go home? No, that's not at all what he did. That is not at all what he did. Instead, Philip gives him an invitation. Come and see. Come and see. Folks, that's exactly what we need to do. If we know that Jesus has told us to share with somebody, if they reject you, we need to be persistent. We need to share without fear. We need to tell them, come and see. And then the question is, what would they see? What would they see if they're observing your life? Are they going to see every action pointing to the cross? Or will they observe your actions pointing far, far away from the cross? But Nathaniel, he accepts his invitation. And Jesus sees Nathaniel coming. And again, there's no introduction that's needed. There is no introduction that's needed here. Jesus says, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. No deceit. And folks, I'm going to tell you, this is a big deal. Especially a big deal to Nathaniel. Because what Jesus is acknowledging here is that Nathaniel is a good person. He has kept the law. But guess what? There's a lot of good people that are on the verge of splitting hell wide open. A lot of good people that are on the verge of splitting hell wide open. Being good, doing good, is not one of the criteria to get there. It's not. Trusting Jesus, allowing Him to be your Lord and Savior, to allow His blood to cover you, that is how you get there. It is Jesus, only Jesus. Jesus, only Jesus. I wonder, do you know Him today? Now, this gets Nathaniel's attention. So he says to Jesus, how do you know me? How do you know me? And then he says, Jesus says, Before Philip called you, while you were under the fig tree, I saw you. I saw you when you were under the fig tree. And guess what? He sees you too. Now, I think it's interesting here 
If we think back to the original sin, the first sin that we know that Adam and Eve committed while they were in the garden and their eyes were opened. Let's look at that verse from Genesis. Genesis 3, 7. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. What did they sew together? Fig leaves. Where did fig leaves come from? All right. So it doesn't matter how big your fig tree is. It doesn't matter how many million fig leaves that you might have. You don't have enough. Your tree is not big enough. You don't have enough leaves to hide your sin from Jesus Christ. You will not do that. Not today. Not tomorrow. Not ever. You cannot hide from Jesus You cannot hide from Jesus. But you know what the good news is? Jesus sees your sin. He loves you anyway. He is willing to be your Savior and to my Savior, to be my Savior, even though we don't deserve it. Even though we've messed up. Do you want Him to? Do you want Him to today? Where's your fig tree? Where is your fig tree? Again, maybe the question is not necessarily where is your fig tree, but what is it? What is your fig tree? You know what the answer to that is, and so does Jesus Christ. You both know the answer to that. And then we see, I I believe that Nathaniel here is just overwhelmed. He answered him and he says, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the Son of God. I want to tell you this morning, some of you need to make that exact same proclamation. Some of you need to do that. Maybe some of you need to do it for the very first time ever. Maybe there are some of you here this morning that do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You know, the process of coming to Jesus is not hard. It is not hard. So many times religion tries to make it hard, but it's not. It's as simple as what we teach children in Bible school. Number one, you've got to admit that you're a sinner. That's sort of hard for people, isn't it? To admit that my life's not perfect. To admit that I mess up. To admit that there's some things in my life that I need to lay at the feet of Jesus. See, society drills in us. Be strong. Be strong. Don't let anybody see your struggle. But Jesus is saying, come to me. Come to me, all who are weary. I believe we've got some weary people this morning. I believe we have got some weary people. So we've got to admit that we're a sinner. Number two, we've got to believe, to truly believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now that sounds easy, doesn't it? It is easy. It is easy. Sometimes I think it's easier for children to believe than it is adults. But we've got to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We have got to believe that He lived on this earth, that He walked on this earth, and His life contained absolutely no sin. 
no sin. And then we've got to believe that He loved us so much that He went to that cross on Calvary and He died for us, for me, and for you. I wonder, do you believe that today? Do you truly believe that today? And then the third, you've got to confess. And that involves repenting of your sin. It it involves telling Jesus, I'm sorry for the mess that my life is in. I'm sorry for the sin that's in my life. And then the hard part, that repenting process, it involves turning from your life of sin. Now, are we still going to sin from time to time? Yes, but we shouldn't want to. It shouldn't make us feel good. We shouldn't think that we can say, yes, Jesus is my Savior, but I'm not going to do one thing different in my life. I'm going to continue my life of sin. Folks, I'm going to tell you, if that is your thought process this morning, you need to be taking a long, hard look as to whether or not you've actually got a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus will not bless sin. Period. He will not bless sin. And it amazes me sometimes, the people that want Him to. The people that would say, oh, I believe God caused this to happen. No. You're believing a lie. God will never orchestrate sin in your life. Never, ever will He do that. I believe some people this morning are here. They've never accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. If that's the case, today's the day. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the appointed time. Period. Don't walk out of here and think you can do it tonight, tomorrow, any day next week. You may not live to get home. If you didn't, where will you spend eternity? And see, it's one of two answers, either heaven or hell. One of two places. Both are eternal. Once you get to any of those places, either of those two places, you're not going to get out. I believe there's others here this morning that you do know Jesus. But maybe it's been a while since you've talked to Him. Maybe your relationship with Him is stale at best. Maybe it's been a while since you even talked to Him, since you did anything for Him, since you told Him that you love Him. See, so many times we're guilty of living as if Jesus is some type of genie in a bottle. We want to live our lives the way we want to live them, and then we want Him to show up and bless us when we want Him to show up. And then we don't want to see Him the rest of the time. That does not honor Jesus Christ. It does not honor Jesus Christ. I believe that there's some of you this morning that need to recommit your life to Him. I do. And then I think there's people here this morning that maybe God's been knocking on your heart door and say, I want you to to unite with Greensburg Baptist Church. If that's the case, we would love for you to come forward today. For any of those things and other reasons, I would love to pray with you. Brother Blake would love to pray with you. But don't resist the Holy Spirit. Do not resist the Holy Spirit. You never know when it might be your last time. You never know when your life is going to end. 
Somebody was telling us on Wednesday night that there was a small child in a neighboring county, I think it was, that got ran over and killed. Now, I can guarantee you that was not on their parents' to-do list that day for their child to die. And, you know, it may not be on a lot of our to-do list to die today either. But if that's on our list, are you ready? Are you sure you're ready? Do not take a chance in getting the answer to that question wrong. The invitation, just like we've seen in the Scripture today, it's easy. Jesus is saying, follow me. And He's saying, come and see. Some of you need to come and see today. You need to come and see that the Lord really is good, that He is able to supply each and every need. Now, does that mean that your life's going to be perfect after you come to Jesus? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You will have trouble. You will. But guess what? He has overcome the world. Do you know Him today? Do you know Him today? Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank You so much just for the day. Lord, I thank You for Your great amount of love that You have for us. Lord, our minds can barely even begin to comprehend the great love that You have for us. Yet You give it so willingly. Lord, I pray right now that You will just sweep over this sanctuary. God, I pray that You will reveal to people their true spiritual condition. And Lord, I pray that that there will be no resistance in this place. Lord, I pray that the people will realize that once they take the first step, that You take the rest of them. God, I pray that we will see people follow You in this sanctuary today. God, I pray that You will do great and mighty things. And what I pray is always that You and You alone will be glorified. And it's in Your name I pray. Amen.